0: Once Latin America's wealthiest country, the conflict has plunged Venezuela into deep economic turmoil. And the
1: government's management of the
0: economy has been disastrous. The conditions in Venezuela are heartbreaking.
1: Power struggle between
0: President Nicolas Maduro and the opposition leader Juan Guaido just keeps going Single on. Single largest economic collapse outside of war in at least 45 years.
1: This is Voices of Venezuela, a new miniseries produced at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in collaboration with the Dracopoulos Ideas Lab. I'm your host, Moises Rendon, and the director of the Future of Venezuela Initiative at CSIS. I was born and raised in Venezuela. I left the country in 2012 to pursue better opportunities and a safer life in the United States. In each episode, we will dive into one of the many aspects of the crisis in Venezuela, We will hear from Venezuelans about what's happening on the ground and weave in analysis from experts at CSIS and beyond. We will cover a wide range of issues from water infrastructure to the lack of medicine to illegal mining. We will highlight what the U.S. and international community can do to help the Voices of Venezuela. Welcome to episode six of Voices of Venezuela, I'm Moises Rendon, director of the Future of Venezuela Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Last week, we talked to Mark Schneider about Venezuela's collapsing water infrastructure. This week, we're covering a related issue, the electricity crisis. When I interviewed Venezuelan migrants in Colombia, I heard from several people that power outages were severely disrupting everyday life. I interviewed a man named Javier from Maracay, This is what he had to say about the oranges. The light, yeah. Four days without light. One day with, one day without. Sometimes they turn it off at 6 p.m. and then they turn it back on at 10 or 11 p.m. Or they turn it off. Before there was a schedule, now there isn't. Now they just turn it off to turn it off. There's no schedule for us to say, okay, let's collect some water. Let's get ready because they're going to turn the power off between this hour and that hour. Venezuelans have been experiencing power outages for years. To discuss this issue, we're joined by Ben Cahill, a senior fellow in the Energy Security and Climate Change Program here at CSIS. Ben studies the economics of oil producing states and has worked in various global consulting and strategic advisory roles focused on the oil and gas industry. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. It's great to be here. Thank you. Venezuela is actually one of the few countries in the world that gets the bulk of its electricity from hydroelectrical sources. Ben, can you walk us through Venezuela's electricity system? How does this work and how does electricity get from hydropower plants such as the one at the Guri Dam to large population centers like Caracas?
0: Well Venezuela is heavily dependent on hydropower. Hydro typically accounts for 70 to 80% of power generation. And it's really dependent on one single source, which is the Guri Dam, as you mentioned. Um, The hydroelectric station there has installed capacity of around 10 gigawatts. Um, That dam has been around for a long time. Construction on the dam started way back in the 60s, but it has been expanded and and modernized over the years. So, in terms of the transmission, there are three major transmission lines that carry power from the facility to Caracas and to other parts of the country, and then a network of of smaller transmission lines. But we can think of Guri as the central node in the system, and that creates some vulnerabilities. Uh, The the largest transmission lines coming from the dam have failed many times since 2016. And the big problem with hydropower, of course, is that it's variable. So when droughts occur, uh, the reservoirs at those facilities fall and available power generation capacity falls. In the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of blackouts. Uh, they've been very common in the early months of the year, which is the dry season in Venezuela. So it's risky for countries to have this level of, of dependence on hydroelectric power. Yeah. And because scurry is so critical, the problems that really affect everything across the country. And what we've seen is that you know electricity consumption has been falling since 2013. And part of that is demand and part of it is supply. A big part of it is the supply problems in the system. But... Of course we've seen this economic contraction and declining population too so that's really dried down power
1: output absolutely no that was great you know this has been as you mentioned a decline for over a decade now no but can you think of any specific like policy issues that the chavez administration and now under the maduro regime has contributed to this rapid decline of the electric system in venezuela yeah
0: i think there are a number of problems but the key problems are are probably underinvestment and lack of maintenance in the system. Yeah, a contributing factor here is that there's really heavy um, subsidies for electricity in Venezuela, so you have extremely low prices, which brings a lot of wastage. The per capita usage rates are actually pretty high in Venezuela, um, and the rate collection for tariffs is, is poor. So if you look at the income of the state power company, which is Corporal you know, that income probably only covers about 30% of its operating costs. So it's really dependent on transfers from the government. And of course, the worse the economic situation is in the country, the less money there is to transfer to the state company. So what this means is that there's been underinvestment in basic maintenance of facilities for many years, um, lack of spare parts and replacements. And the worse the economic situation has gotten with the lack of hard currency, the worse these issues have become. And I think that the gradual issue that we've seen over the last decade is the brain drain has been a huge problem. Of course, this is an issue across Venezuela and many different industries. But, you know, a lot of qualified engineers have just left the country. Last year, I think there was a statement from a union rep in the electricity sector who said that half of the state power company's staff have left. So this is really an understaffed and under resourced power company. Um, and lastly, you know, I think we have to assume that there's some corruption in right. the system too. Um, a lot of contracts have been handed out to build new power projects and power stations in the last decade. Uh, a lot of these went to, you know, no bid contracts. Some of them were to ghost companies. Um, and frankly, a lot of this was never built. So there has been a lot of wastage.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. So, I mean, for Venezuelans, this is a constant struggle, right? This is their day to day basis. And they never know when they're going to have power. And and when they do, they don't know how long will it last. And I asked a couple of, of people in San Cristobal, Darcy and Fraker, Jose, how many hours a day they have electricity. And this was their response. Well, they turn it off every three or four hours. It lasts, it varies. Sometimes two hours, four or five, sometimes it lasts 15 hours. These shortages have been common for years, but I want to focus on what happened in March 2019 when the electricity crisis in Venezuela seemed to hit rock bottom as a full power blackout spread throughout the entire nation. In some parts of the country, the blackout lasted an entire week, Ben, Maduro claimed that this blackout was the result of sabotage by the opposition. Do we know what the real cause was and why it was so hard to restore the greed? Well, as you said, there have been a lot of
0: blackouts over the last decade, but the blackout that we saw last March was much, much larger. And the president did blame the outage on a cyber attack on the greed Dam. There's really no evidence to support this. And in fact, some of the former employees at the company uh, that runs the facility claim that the computers are actually on a closed system. In other words, they're not connected to the internet. So that would make a cyber attack pretty difficult. Uh, We really don't know the exact cause, but it seems likely that wildfires occurred near some of the major transmission lines that carry power west. And those wildfires knocked out at least one of of the lines. And that led to a cascading effect throughout the system. So there is some satellite imagery from NASA that shows that wildfires occurred near the lines on the day of the blackout itself. So ultimately, I think the explanation is probably pretty simple. It's just a failure to cut back the trees and the brush near the power lines. And this is part of that underinvestment that I was yeah. referring to. And in terms of why it was so difficult to restart the grid, you know, I think in, in the best of times, it's a really difficult process to, to restart an electrical grid from, from a dead stop Because you need to increase the power gradually, kind of in a step-by-step process, to balance electricity load in the system and and generation capacity. So you have to do it one step at a time, one area of the grid at a time. And if you move too fast, then the whole system can fail again. And what makes this more difficult is if you don't have good insight on where there might be problems with equipment in different areas and facilities. Um, And I think all those are probably contributing factors to uh, the difficult time that the officials had bringing the system back
1: Absolutely, and and that remind me. Just recently, there has been a lot of wildfires happening throughout the country, in Caracas, in Maracay, and other major cities. So I'm just wondering if if this issue will just continue to contribute into the decline of the electrical system, which is in shambles right now. But by by the end of March 2019, there has been you know three major. Blackouts. And these blackouts have inflicted lasting damage on the population that had already been suffering through a severe humanitarian crisis. Nearly every sector was impacted. Food went to waste because there was no electricity to power refrigerators. And an estimated 20 million people lost access to water because there was no electricity to power the water distribution system. On top of that, in the country's hospitals, the blackouts directly caused at least 52 deaths Telecommunication systems failed. The Caracas Metro shut off. Without functioning credit card machines, the country also experienced a cash shortage. So as we discussed this more than a year after Venezuelan first national power average, what do you find are the lasting effects of a blackout of this scale? And in particular, how does the blackouts affect the oil production of the country?
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, this was really a, a catastrophic event. It really affected economic life for everyone across the country. And I think it it just illustrated how dramatic the impact can be when electrical systems fail, especially when you have them so dependent on a single source. In terms of the impact on the oil production, it was pretty dramatic. Of course, oil production in Venezuela has been falling for years. But if we look at the period from the beginning of 2019 until you know a month or two after the blackouts, Uh, Oil production fell by about a third. And I think there are a couple of reasons for this. You know, The equipment at different oil fields and facilities is connected to the grid. So when the grid goes out, power fails there. But Venezuela also uses upgraders to refine all the extra heavy crude that is produced, which is kind of heavy sludgy stuff. You have to blend it with other things and you have to upgrade it to move it through the system, move it through pipelines. uh, And you need power to do that. So those upgraders were shut down during the blackout. And that made it a lot more difficult to transport the oil. So there's, again, probably a cascade effect that led to some shovings of, of oil production. So these issues in the power sector have compounded you know, a lot of problems in the Venezuelan oil sector. It actually impacted the most the, some of the Western regions, which is kind of the oil heartland of, of Venezuela, states like Zulia, right. uh, where you have the most mature fields. That's where we saw really rapid production declines because the blackouts were the worst there. And ultimately, I think what the impact is, is this really showed that you know oil is so critical to the economy because it's really the only source of, of hard currency, foreign exchange earnings. Um, so this is another aspect of fixing the power sector that's so important because you have to protect that oil income and the hard currency. If you don't do that, then effectively nothing in the economy works.
1: Now, before we talk about policy solutions, I want to listen to one last clip from a woman named Alicia. Alicia from an area in Venezuela called Guaramito, which is very close to the Colombian border. When we were talking about the electricity crisis, she told me that the power would go out every few hours. But she also emphasized that electricity is far from her only problem. For example, she doesn't have cooking gas. Every day, I wake up at 6 in the morning to make breakfast for my kids with firewood. I have to build a fire, and since I am a single mom, I have to go find firewood from the bushes so that I can cook for my kids. So Ben, it's not just about power arches. It's a full-blown energy and infrastructure crisis that is making it harder and harder for Venezuelans to survive. Once there is a democratic transition in Venezuela, the country is going to have to embark on an expensive, very complex project to revitalize its infrastructure and to establish reliable and sustainable energy access for all, right? So are there any technological developments, innovations, fresh ideas that you think will play a key role in rebuilding the country's energy system?
0: To be honest, I think that it's most important to do basic fixes rather than big infrastructure projects. So it's really about restoring basic maintenance and upkeep of the system. It's about providing enough money to cover worker salaries so these all the facilities are staffed properly. Those are really the short-term immediate fixes that are probably most important. It's about, you know, not expanding the system but really fixing what's there and making sure it works. You know, moving on from there, I think there're probably some other goals that will be important, like improving the rate collection, maybe setting more reasonable electricity rates so that the state power company has more resources to run its business. And then eventually, over the longer term, the critical goal is going to be trying to offset this dependence on a single dam, uh, one single yeah. facility by building new power plants and also just by fixing the problems of the existing thermal power plants. Some of these are connected to natural gas sources, but the grid connectivity is not great. The fuel supplies have been cut off. So it's really about fixing those things, um, and that would really help.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, in the middle of this crisis, there will be an opportunity to kind of start from zero no? and start from the scratch to think long term and what are the most sustainable solutions to rebuild, for example, this electrical sector. So that's important to keep in mind for the day after. But now, Ben, every time we discuss, you know, the day after and what needs to be done in Venezuela, it is so clear that the international community will have to play a very important role. Venezuela is not going to have the money, the human capital, the technical capacity, to do it by itself. So the the role of the U.S. and other countries is going to be key there. Can you shed light a little bit on your perspective, what type of role the international community can play to support these rebuilding efforts?
0: Yeah, as you say, I think there's a lot of work to be done across multiple economic sectors, but really the power sector is so critical to daily life in Venezuela and so many other aspects of the economy that fixing it has got to be top priority. And I think in the short term, what the international community can really help with is fixing vulnerabilities, some of the quick fixes that I mentioned earlier. Foreign governments and the multilateral development banks could really provide a lot of funding, but also expertise in fixing the electrical system. Uh, there's probably a lot of opportunity for institutions like the World Bank and the Inter-American Development Bank to bring in consultants, talk about you know, the, the process of restoring some of these facilities, building them, also the process of you know coming up with a new system of electrical rates and tariffs, those are all relatively short term fixes. You know, I think there's always a question of how much help Venezuela will want to accept from international institutions, but there's a lot of capacity to help with these things, and I think there could be a lot of goodwill to do it too because uh, there's an obvious humanitarian benefit there over the longer term. I think you know there are a number of proposals that people have about how to fix the the power sector in Venezuela. It's really dependent on a single state power company. Some people think that it would be a good idea to build regional power companies instead and devolve things a little bit. I'm not so sure about that. I think it's a good idea in theory, but that means you'd have to create new institutions, staff them up. That would probably take a lot of time. Ultimately, there will be questions about what kind of role the private sector should play as opposed to state power companies. And there will definitely be a lot of room for improvement there. And another thing that could be really helpful is just setting up an independent regulator. So you have someone overseeing The power sector who doesn't have a direct stake in generating capacity. Uh, That's kind of best practices. A lot of other countries around the world have independent regulators. And again, I think that's something that the World Bank, maybe the IDB, lots of other advisors could help with. Maybe even Brazil could play an advisory role. It's another country that has a lot of dependence on hydropower, um, a lot of variability there, but has done it well over the years.
1: Ben, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and knowledge on this issue. It's so basic and fundamental to help Venezuela when the day comes in in such a critical area like the electric system. So thank you for joining us today, and we appreciate your time. It's
0: my pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity.
1: Voices of Venezuela is produced in collaboration with the Tracapulos Ideas Lab at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Special thanks to Jumi Araki, Julia Kim, Bree Silly, who contributed to the production of this podcast, and to Maria Despradel, Claudia Fernandez, and Linnea Sandin for providing research support. Thank you for listening today. We will be here next week with a new episode of Voices of Venezuela.